0: Amateur Hour. A dozen of these things. Could you ever imagine that it would last? I I think we hoped it would last, but then we got these followers and folks care and suddenly you're here and now we're back and then we're a week late because I'm selfishly doing two jobs because of opening week. But here we are. It's Amateur Hour. Danny and Darren. And we have so much fun with this show because we'll either dive deep into the prospects at the high school level or talk with college players and we've got a little bit of both this week. So here's what we have. We have John Savage joining us. He's the head coach at UCLA. He was advanced metrics before there were advanced metrics. Now, he won't tell you that, but he was fearless in that area. Savage is wonderful. We stole this away from our weekly show on Perfect Game TV. Download the app and make sure that you watch the John Savage interview, but you're going to get to listen to it because we have – Danny, we have pod. I've learned this business. We have podcast exclusive stuff with John Savage. We cut some out from the perfect game weekly show on perfect game TV, download the app. But John Savage, UCLA coach, there is some secret stuff at the end about Trevor Bauer and Garrett Cole that you will not see on the weekly show on the perfect game TV app.
1: That's what we call a professional tease, by the way. That is a professional tease. I haven't even heard this exclusive content yet. I will be putting it together. And I'm really proud of you, by the way, for using all the correct terminology and jargon when it comes to our podcast. I know you're a busy man now. You're you're a big league broadcaster. Yeah, he I'm he so made big some league. time for us on amateur hour this week. It's gonna be a good one. And anytime you can get John Savage, let's be honest, it's gonna be really good and it's worth your time. So I'm excited to have him on this week and have you you got a chance to to chat with him and now we we steal some of that from pg weekly so it's going to be good
0: yeah and again there is a part that that folks have never seen um it's just cool it's just very very cool there's some real inside stuff on trevor bauer who you know there's a lot of popularity he moves the needle both ways we'll just put it that way but it's trevor the amateur this is amateur hour this isn't major league free agent sign with the dodgers hour let's make it clear I love Max Wright. Danny, great cat. Indiana State catcher. Canadian baseball player. Um, Jay's fan growing up. Deep family. Proud of his family. COVID. Border rules. All that went into him not being able to go home. Man, what an amazing conversation. Indiana State's fortunate to have this athlete.
1: I was so excited to see them, first of all, on uh, PG's college rankings. And I thought, you know, it's a good opportunity to have a conversation with a guy who is grinding it out. They haven't even played at home yet because of a multitude of different reasons. They've been on the road and some of the wins that they have. Let me just read them off for you. Uh, Swept FIU series win over FAU, UAB and St. Louis. They split the series versus Tennessee. Max leads his team in home runs, doubles, and RBI. He's dealt with wrist injuries. He graduated. He's getting his MBA. And he is a strong leader on this team. And listen, don't count them out. Don't count them out. They are playing with a chip on their shoulder. They're never home. They're, on, they're road warriors. And I'm excited to see what they're able to do in this last push heading into conference play in the rest of the season.
0: Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. Hey, by the way, every week on this show, which is every two weeks, which it's a week late. So I don't even know why I said any of that. We, we take a slice of the pizza pie, which is perfect game, college baseball. That show airs year round. And we're proud of the fact that it airs year round on ESPNU on Sirius XM at 10 o'clock Eastern on Tuesday nights. And happy Tuesday, by the way, Danny, to you on Tuesday nights, it airs and we're proud of it. And we're proud of our co-host Hunter Pence. This dude has, Uh, Head first dive right into college baseball. And this week, Daniel Susack, perfect game, All-American, which is cool. But then freshman starting catcher for Jay Johnson's Arizona team, Hunter, Daniel, great stuff from our show, Perfect Game, College Baseball. And happy Tuesday, too.
1: Sometimes it's hard to remember what day it is. I really don't know what else to say. I have a couple of jobs in my life and. When you think it's Tuesday and someone else tells you happy Tuesday, you just go with it until somebody tells you otherwise.
0: I read that on the Twitter. You put that on the Twitter. I thought it was really cool. And I didn't even clap back at you. Is that the right thing? Clapping back? Uh,
1: Darren's learning a lot in in the last few weeks. He's just expanding his (laughs) vocabulary. He's learning about the Twitter that nobody calls it the Twitter. It's impressive. He's great. He's juggling a lot. Gotta give them credit.
0: It's, it. Well, you know what's amazing in today's modern world that me learning that phrase is is actually expanding your vocabulary. That's the great part of it. Hey, by the way, Max Wright is a big reader. Speaking of expanding your vocabulary, proud of that. Uh, Jared Goodwin will come on our, our scout size. Jeremy Brown will come on, um, and, and Vinny Servino. These guys, they're they're seeing all the best players in the country. every level you know that's from 13 u all the way up to seniors in college guys that will be future pros guys that will be future collegiate players so we're proud of our scouts eyes segments let's do this Um, let's get this thing going i'm going to expand my vocabulary by listening to this podcast so max anybody that listens to this show or any droning on i do anywhere else content wise understands that i'm a pitcher was a, a very poor one you know a double digit era in rookie ball my father's in the Hall of Fame as a pitcher, so we love catchers. I mean, I was raised to respect you and your your kind um, and the work that you put in. I'm dying to know when you fell in love with the position. In other words, when was Max Wright destined to be a catcher and why? I mean, what? it's not for everyone, right? So at what age and what kept you behind the play?
2: Uh, I think it was when I was little, when I just wanted to be part of every play. Um, I, think, I think that's when it started was – As an outfielder, you didn't get much, uh, many balls in the outfield. As an infielder, again, the same thing when you're little. There's a lot of strikeouts, a lot of whatnot. So I guess that was when I started. And growing up, I kind of played, as most people do, all over the field. Um, I guess when I was in high school was kind of when my coaches told me that that was kind of my opportunity to go play the next level was that behind the plate was kind of going to be my future and the best option for me. So that was kind of when I really started to buy into behind the plate.
0: And then baseball in Canada, I never wanted to patronize Canadian baseball players like, wow, how have you heard of this baseball thing? Because Toronto Blue Jays are very good and they have a rich history and we have had a ton, a ton of prep prospects come through perfect game, from Toronto, from Mississauga, from all areas north of the border. That being said, what did your amateur and travel baseball world look like, your high school baseball, um, and what pulled you toward the sport? Was it family? Was it friends? Why?
2: Um, with choosing baseball, my dad was always a baseball fan. Um, so he didn't, like, he never played. Obviously, say played growing up, just pick up baseball and whatnot. But he was always a baseball fan. He's... Um, my dad's actually had season tickets to the Jays since the first year the Jays were in 1977. So that was, I guess that was what turned me to baseball. Um, sorry. What was the, what was it? And then uh, travel ball. I actually never played high school baseball. Um, it's less of a, a thing in Canada. It's more uh, you play for your travel team uh, year round. So I never played for um, travel baseball. I came out of the, I started my travel ball uh, in my ninth grade year. I played for the Toronto Mets for two years. And then I ended up moving on to the Great Lake Canadians just because basically we had a really good program and a good catching coach there. Um, And that was kind of when I really started to take pride in catching was um, when I moved there. And I mean, we had a really good travel team. There's a few really strong travel teams. It's in Canada, it's kind of, um i would i guess you wouldn't say there's as much like mass talent in canada but where it is um it's very concentrated um like there's some very very strong teams and played a lot of good competition there so that was kind of how my prep experience went
1: That's awesome. Wow. Um, Listen, I'm really excited to get to catch up with you. I think that you caught my eye, your team caught my eye, and you personally, you lead your team in home runs, doubles, and RBI, but your team ranked 23rd in perfect game called rankings right now, swept FIU. You get a series win over FAU, UAB, and St. Louis. You split the series against Tennessee. Can you give me a scouting report on the guys that you've got coming together to create this really great run right now?
2: Uh, I think you just look at our guys, and I think everyone's solid. Like, we don't really have any. I mean, you wouldn't say there's any like massive superstars on our team, or it's just a lot of guys just really like knowing who we are and not getting away from that. Like, we're a lot of. Really scrappy guys that know how to play the game and take advantage of any any opportunity we see. Whether that's base base running's a big point of emphasis on our team. Um, obviously, we've hit some home runs, but that that's not what our emphasis all is. Basically, our coaches kind of talk about whatever we need to do to win on a given day. That's what we have to do. So. If that's bunting, if that's stealing, if, if it is, if the wind is blowing out, then like it could be a three run home run, but that's not necessarily what we're, um, what we're counting on.
1: And what makes your team so unique is that you've played every game on the road and you don't get to come home until April 19th and. Mm-hmm there aren't a lot of teams that experience something like that. The adversity that you face just talking about playing on the road for that long and balancing school and, and not even getting home field advantage or having your fans in the stand. How does that make your team grittier and, and maybe play with an extra chip on your shoulder?
2: Um, I think it's, yeah, it's just kind of what Indiana state baseball is like, or I guess you could say people underestimate us or we're not a power five school. So we don't have the, the same amenities or or resources that other schools are, but it's something we embrace and we, uh, it's something we wouldn't be the same team without it, I guess, is um, we take pride in that. Um, And that's kind of what this program was built on as our coach talks about kind of, it's been a long time coming. There's been a lot of good good teams here in the past that maybe haven't gotten the attention that we deserved, And it's, I guess we take pride in that just.
0: Yeah, that's a Midwest thing, right? I mean, you know, whether it's a Canadian thing having that intensity or it's a Midwest thing, it seems that you would fit in both spots and it's cool. I mean, 14 in the RPI as well to, to talk about what, what the rewards are for playing on the road. What was the regional, what was your regional experience like a couple of years ago? This is why you do it. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you do it to earn your degree, which congratulations, but you do it to play in the postseason And, uh, to, to pack up and to go someplace where you're not welcome and to, to deal with a regional. What was your regional experience like in 2019?
2: Um, I mean, it was unique. We obviously we went to Vanderbilt. Uh, they were a pretty good team and ended up winning the national title. So that was, it was tough. I mean, um, we had a really good group of guys and we felt like we could have, we had a chance to win anywhere. Um, it didn't happen. Uh, we were put in a tough regional. At the end of the day, you got to beat somebody good, no matter where you're you're playing. It was a good atmosphere. Um, I guess it was it was good for our guys to see that how we stack up against those those teams. Um, we fell short that year. Um, a lot of people are kind of. Oh, it was a great year for us. It was a great year for us. But at the end of the day, like our expectations are to go beyond that not just make a regional we want to win a regional or get to a super regional and eventually get to the college world series so it was a good starting point it was a good point to build off of but that's kind of what our team this year is trying to to build off of is yeah get into a regional and then win one and move on past that
0: i love it you're not smelling the roses just yet are you no not quite yeah i love that that is so cool hey there's a theme that kind of winds through the conversations and sorry to use you as as an experiment, but there's a theme that winds through all these conversations that I'm able to have, whether it be with an elite high school or college player. And it's kind of the theme about following major league baseball in comparison to following yourselves. Because of social media, uh, because of how the world has shrunk, um, you're able to know about the top prospects at your level, right? You're able to know about the top teams. Uh, You're number 14 in the RPI. Would you say that over the last four or five years, you keep as much eye on your foes or those that are elite at the college level, those that are heading into the draft as you do the major leagues? Expound upon that.
2: Um, I try not to. Um, at the end of the day, to me, it's kind of a distraction. Um, okay. So for me, is if I'm worried about what the next team or the next guy or whoever we're competing against or I'm competing against that takes me away from, it has no impact on me. At the end of the day, I have to do what I have to do or our team has to do what we have to do. And it doesn't really matter what anyone else is doing. Um, Social media has made that hard because no matter where you look, you see what other people are doing or what everyone else is doing. But at the end of the day, like to me, I try to minimize that and try to avoid looking too much into what this guy's doing, what the, that guy's doing, who's getting the hype, uh, whatnot, because it just, it takes me away from, at the end of the day, what I need to accomplish and what, what our team needs to accomplish.
0: Okay, so if you have a half hour to yourself, which I, I, I'm guessing is very rare, maybe on the travels, you've had a little bit more time between your studies um, you know, and pursuing your master's degree Uh, what do you enjoy doing? what's your escape? What's your, there is no baseball in my mind. I'm not thinking about my studies. What is your true escape?
2: Uh, I like to read, uh, reading's a big one. Uh, TikTok has kind of taken over my life at this point when we're on the road. Um, I'm trying to think, I don't, I don't play video games. I don't have a TV, so I don't watch a whole lot of TV, I guess. Reading's a big one. Um, Trying to catch up with family. I've got a girlfriend. Talking to my girlfriend.
1: Um, These are good
2: funny.
1: things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm impressed. Family,
0: f- family love having a, a partner <laughs> that you can share stuff with. These are good things, by the way. Sure. These are. I would even suggest that they could trump TikTok if if, if they wanted yeah. to. Yeah. Okay. These are all good things. That's cool. No, I'm just curious. I was curious about the other because I have found, and as you said, it's difficult. That a lot of athletes will admit, hey, I don't follow the big leagues as much as I follow my own age now, and part of that I think is good. But as you said, I like that. Part of that can be a big distraction.
1: Mm-hmm. Are you participating in the TikToks? Or are you just watching the TikToks? No,
2: just watching. I'm not. Okay. I'm not one to make them.
0: Come on, Max. I think that'd be really fun. I'm sure. I'm sure. It would be.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. So something that I kind of wanted to ask you about. So you graduated in 2020, you're a senior. You think that you're done playing college baseball and then you're granted another year. And between that happening, now you're working towards your MBA. You faced some injury adversity as well. But now you're you're the veteran guy on your team. Who who are you to your team? What is your role with this team?
2: Uh, I think it's just kind of being steady. Um, I'm. I mean, obviously, I'm the, the one guy on the position side that has a lot of experience at this level. So it's just kind of being steady, being the the veteran, calming presence. Um, whatever they've been through, I'm, I've most likely been through at this level. Whether it's injuries, whether it's going over whatever, like I've I've been there, I've been um so I guess just kind of understanding if um being understanding of them and kind of letting them know it's gonna be all right. You know, you like it might suck today, it might suck tomorrow, but at some point it's gonna turn around and everything's gonna be all right. So just kinda of, I think that's something I take pride in is I have dealt with adversity. I mean some guy whether it's our freshman, uh not playing much, like I've been there. Uh if, if a guy went down with an injury have been there um, struggling on the field, struggling off the field. It's uh, I guess, just trying to, to be there for our guys and yeah. Um, letting them know that things are going to be all right.
1: And I, I am sure that you are just focused day to day right now. You're soaking in every moment of this extra year that you get to play and you're planning for your future, which I know Darren and I always appreciate. And, and I think is so important, but what about the baseball future for Max, right? What, what have you thought about as far as that goes?
2: Um, obviously I'm trying to play the game as long as I can. Um, you hope, you hope someone gives you a shot. Um, that's what I work towards and that's kind of my goal and what I, what I'm planning on doing. Um, again, like I, I focus on what I can focus on and, and that's playing the game and doing as well as I can at this point and um, hope that someone gives me a shot at, at a certain point.
0: Very cool answer. Take away every single intangible. Okay. He's a good leader. He's uh, well-educated. He's steady. Those are all important, right? I don't want to minimize them, but take all of those away from me and tell me why I should sign you.
2: Um, I'm a good hitter. I, I can hit a little bit. I've I've learned how to use my power better off. Um, and as I've gotten older, um, I'm a good defensive catcher. I've worked a lot on my arm strength. That was kind of a down downside of, uh, my game in the past was I had a so-so arm. I don't have a, a cannon at this point, but it's a, a playable arm. Um, and I don't feel like I guess my speed would be my one, uh, probably the the downside of my game, but I don't. It doesn't um, affect me a whole lot. I guess I I don't feel like I have a whole lot of holes in my game. Um, I'm fairly good at at everything on the field that I that I can be good at.
0: And yet, I can tell all the intangibles are part of who you are. That would be in a scouting report. You're going to be a leader. You're going to take time to have empathy towards your teammates. You're going to pay attention. You're going to call a good game. So. Those things do matter, obviously, but I could already sense that that was going to be part of your scouting report. You know, that's, that's cool, Max. I appreciate this. Thank you. Thank you very much. Back to our scouts eyes segments and Jeremy Brown has such a handle on the younger athlete. That's 13, 14, 15, but also the college game. Excited to have him open up his notebook.
3: Baseball's in full swing across the country at all age levels, whether it be youth, high school, college, or the MLB but I'm going to stick in my lane and check in on some of the top guys in the 2025 class who have stood out early thus far. Top-ranked 2025 Sam Cozart made a spring debut the other day and did what we've almost come to expect him to do despite his age, and that's pump the strike zone, as 44 of his 61 pitches came across the plate for a strike while working mostly in the upper 80s with his fastball, showing the same tight slider that we've seen the last couple years at the PG Select Festival. Like Cozart... Connor Griffin, who's the number two ranked player in the 25 class, is able to suit up for his high school down in Mississippi, and he's continued to show the two-way ability that we've come to know already, as he was, in fact, named the two-way player of the year at last year's 13U Select Festival. With reports of his fastball already up to 90, 91 miles per hour, Griffin certainly stands out on the mound, but if you haven't already seen his swing on Twitter, go go take a minute for yourself and look at the long de- the long no doubter that he hit the other night, where you're really going to end up flipping a coin whether you think his future is on the mound or with the bat. And while these these next couple names weren't in a high school setting, Masa Chilcut, Kaysen Cunningham, Omar Serna, and Cannon Golden are four names who have stood out in the last two 14U regional showcases that I personally have attended. Chilcutt, was in last year's 13U Select Festival and continued to show the same advanced defensive abilities that you don't don't simply see at prospects this age behind the plate. Well, Cunningham really came on strong in the fall and has continued to carry that momentum, found lots of barrel in the live setting, and carries himself just in a professional manner on the diamond. Cerna was a, a new name for me personally, kind of jumped out, showed big right-handed power, up to 85 miles per hour in the mound with some solid cutting action and a good slider. Well, Cannon Golden really is up the bar of his entire performance. Ran a 6.7 in the 60-yard dash. Uh, took a really loud round of BP. Lots of back backspun line drive contact. Upper 80s exit velocity. Low 80s arm in the outfield. Um, found himself atop several leaderboards. And it's easy to see why South Carolina has already pulled the trigger on the young georgia native
0: every tuesday and happy tuesday by the way to all of you every tuesday on espnu on sirius xm channel 84 at 10 o'clock eastern and dare i say now i've got to start mentioning this seven o'clock pacific 7 p.m uh, there is another coast by the way I'm, I'm done with all you eastern people i'm done like seven o'clock pacific On Tuesday nights on ESPNU, it's Perfect Game College Baseball. Where, by the way, let let me remind you that both hosts are in the Pacific time zone, Hunter Pence and Darren Sutton. So it's 7 o'clock Pacific on ESPNU. It's Perfect Game College Baseball. Hunter Pence is amazing. He is passionate about the sport. He had a conversation with Daniel Susak. If you follow Prospect Baseball, this is a perfect game All-American. It was wonderful to get to, to dive a little bit deeper with who he is. And to get Hunter's perspective on what it's like to be a freshman catching in the Pac-12, which, by the way, is in the Pacific Time Zone.
4: Daniel, hardest worker in the weight room. Uh, you got to talk to your brother about that a little bit. Uh, we always like the <laughs> ribbon, but now me and him pushed some sleds one off season together. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I want to. I want to talk about uh, your catching and, and your catching style and, and how you developed it. How much you've you've learned from your brother because you know. Uh, your fielding is something that, that, uh, gets, you know, has high, high rewards and yeah, the 10 for 18 and the, and, 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 you know, you know, these great numbers to start the season, three, 13, five home runs, 24 RBIs. That's great offensively. But the thing that, that is your bread and butter is your catching.
5: Mm. For me, I think it's a big part cause it's very controllable. Um, your attitude back there is always controllable. Just being a servant first as coach Yeske likes to say. And, uh, you're there to control the pitching staff. You're not really worried about yourself back there as you are hitting. When you're back there catching, you're just worried about doing the best job that you can to try and get a shutout.
4: Yeah. But I want to, I want to hear about like your, your technique, you know, you have a thousand fielding percentage, you know, like for to, to me, the catcher is like, like you said, it's, it's in the most control. You got to deal with the pitcher's personalities, but also holding runners, blocking balls, dealing with, uh, you know, there's a lot of throws to be going around and, and even receiving and getting strikes, the catcher's defensive role changes the game in such like monumental ways, but it's kind of like the offensive lineman in football. Like you move mountains, but no one really sees it. They see the runner that takes advantage of that. So, talk to me a little bit about receiving. Uh, some is it just natural for you? Is there some like certain techniques that you've learned, or or uh, what, what exactly is your philosophy there?
5: So, I've had the privilege of every offseason I've kind of worked with my brother, Max Stassi, Dom Nunez, and Andrew Knapp. So I've gotten four different kind of techniques on everything. And so I've been able to really dissect what I liked. And for receiving, I think it's just working under the ball. Um, for me, you're, the ball is always going to come down. If it's up, you're just going to get there to it. But working under it to kind of present the best target for yourself and uh, trying to steal every strike that you can. And the main thing for me is one pitch at a time, especially with catching, because one pitch can really change the course of a game. If you, t- you can't really take one pitch off back there. Or like, say you're in the outfield, if there's one pitch that's just a strike and didn't go to you, that could happen. But catching every pitch is coming through you.
0: Let's have a conversation with John Savage, the head coach of UCLA. Excited to bring him in. John, thanks for spending time with all of us. We really appreciate it. I want to start with a man who gambled on himself a couple of years ago when he was drafted in the first round by the Arizona Diamondbacks. Matt McClain's your starting shortstop this year. Uh, How bold was that gamble back then? How proud are you of what he's accomplished in the last couple of years?
6: so proud uh you know the guy whenever you get a first rounder it's very unusual uh you know we all know that they normally sign and you know obviously we had garrett cole uh back in the day and, and then now matt mcclain and it's a lot of a lot of target on the back you know i mean i mean every game people are trying to get him out people are focusing on him uh people are watching him so it, there's a lot that comes with that uh, responsibility and I'm just so proud of Matt and his growth as a player defensively and now offensively. And, you know, Darren, I think we talked about, he was off to a tremendous start last season before the season got shut down and he was going nuts through 15 games and then it got shut down and it, he went up and played up in Santa Barbara and had a big, big summer. And now he's, you know, he's hot again. So he's just a joy to, to coach. Uh, you know, he's a team guy, he's a culture guy, he's a winning player. Uh, he's a guy that an organization is going to get and, and it's going to love.
0: So I want to ask about his double play partner on a lot of nights, second baseman, Mikey Perez. He's got such a unique background, obviously being coached by his dad in high school, uh, being mommed by his mom, who, by the way, is your counterpart on the softball side, Kelly In a way, Perez. I'm dying to get to know he's developed now. He's been with you for a couple of years. Uh, He probably, because of mom and dad, has shook the pressure right away of of the namesakes. Tell me who he is as a player and a young man.
6: Well, Mikey's really born and bred to, to be a Bruin, you know, and he's a guy that uh, has tremendous ability. I mean, he's got tools. Uh, he just had a hard time getting to those tools a little bit coming out of high school. Uh, he was out of Gar High School. Like you said, he played for his dad. His mom is a Hall of Fame softball coach here at UCLA. And, you know, he's just a, he's a tools guy. I mean, he can really defend. He can play shortstop. He can play third. He can play center. He can play all over the place. His versatility is, is really elite uh and he's a he's an offensive player i mean he can hit doubles he can hit home runs he's got some power he can run a little bit i mean he's a tremendous sneaky tools guy and, and who's playing second base in, in our program and certainly mikey's grown as a player and you know i think the the, the ceiling is high for him i mean he just has a uh, the ability to play he has ability to hit velocity uh he can hit anybody's fastball and you know he's just really grown as a double play combination like you said we're along with Matt.
0: So it's it's really cool John the kind of synergy that I'm guessing gets created and Mikey's a part of it right just by accident that happens but yeah. when you have such an elite softball program such an elite baseball program with the academic expectations um that yeah. doesn't happen everywhere you've got to be proud of having that synergy.
6: Yeah I'm very very proud of it very honored to be a part of it really I mean Kelly's been here a long, long time. I, this is my 17th season at UCLA and we just, you know, we are trying to build, keep on building, you know, keep on building the culture, of the program. It's hard to win. It's hard to win at our level. And, and it's hard to really, you know, stay at the top and, and you, you do everything you can. It's all about recruiting. It's all about getting good players. It's all about getting good makeup. It's got getting guys that can handle, like you said, both the, on the field and in the PAC 12, and then certainly off the field academically. UCLA is a, Tremendous challenge. So we're looking for special guys. We're looking for special gifted guys that can can really do both. And, and that's a really strong combination here. We've had a lot of uh, great examples. So you have a couple
0: of sons on your program as well of Trish Karos. Of yeah. course, there's Eric Karos too. But uh, Trish is mom. And I'd like to get to know them. I, I, I love Jared Caros. The fact that he was, again, born and bred to be a UCLA Bruin. He was literally born at UCLA Medical Center. Let's start yep. there. Six-foot, seven-inch pitcher, son of Eric Carroll, but he's writing his own story now. Tell me about Jared Carroll, their sophomore.
6: Uh, Jared's really, really coming on. I mean, he, he had a really good freshman year as well. Uh, and then, then the, you know, he had really good starts against Loyola and against Pepperdine. And, and then the season got shut down. And then he started Friday night instead of Petway. Petway was banged up a little bit. And Jared is, you know, he's 90 to 92. Uh, good change-up slider. Uh, improving slider, a good curveball, athletic, competitive. Uh, he's tall. Like you said, he's six foot seven. So there's a lot of growth, a lot of projection. Uh, he's very coordinated for his delivery. And you know, he's going to Cape Cod this summer and he's just growing. I, I love coaching him. He's a fun guy to coach. He, he's mentally tough. Um, and, and like I said, like you said, Trish and Eric did a tremendous job raising both Jared and Kyle because they're they're really competitive. Uh, they're, they're you know, they're team orientated and there's a lot to like about both of them. But Jared, I'm, I'm really proud of the progress he's making. And, you know, I think he'll be a pretty good draft next season. And then Kyle, we we
0: knew Kyle at a lot of perfect game events. Yeah. Um, yeah. Different different position, infielder. The interesting thing I'm watching you're doing with Kyle, and and we've seen it done with Matt and many others. Yeah. He may not be starting the way he wants to be starting, but you're yeah. sticking with him.
6: Yeah, I mean, we believe in in development. We believe in in you know projection. I mean, you got to play guys to get better, and it's you know you got to you know winning helps. Uh, you know, obviously other players help. Uh, Kyle's played tremendous at third base. He's a big frame. I mean, you you can dream a little bit on him. Uh, you know, you, you kind of sense the Chris Bryant or you know somebody like that uh, down the road, and you know, and he's got power. He's going to have power. He's going to get the power, and. Uh, he's playing a lot, you know. We've had some injuries, so he's 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 been a little fortunate there. He's been able to play third the entire year, and and he's really grown in front of our eyes. And like you said, he's 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 playing. We did that with Matt. We believe in in you know fresh you know freshman playing. We believe in prospects playing, and certainly you know we get paid to win. But at the same time, we we understand the development side of it equates to that. And you know he he's a guy that uh, you know another tremendous makeup and tremendous upside john i just want you to
0: to take me back to 2009 trevor bauer and the couple of years that followed your perspective is so welcome um obviously young people really follow him deeply now who was he when he was a young person
6: he was an innovator then i mean he was way way ahead of his time i mean you know mechanically uh, biomechanically uh video you know body body movements uh correct movements uh spins uh, grips, um, you know, doing things with the baseball that you just didn't see out of an amateur, you know, I mean, he's just so comfortable delivering the ball. Uh, his timing was really, uh, you know, elite. I mean, the guy was just very young, uh, you know, I wouldn't say mature, but just very young. And he's a guy that uh, certainly, uh, you know, grew grew in our program and uh you know he left high school early Darren as you know and uh you know people a lot of people don't know that and and the guy just uh you know he was uh he came in January of his freshman year and he by the time June hit he was a freshman pitcher of the year in the country and that just shows you how good he was he just popped onto the seat um, and you know it was it was special from day one and he's just an innovator and uh way ahead of his time and, and a guy that uh is ultra competitive. He's a team guy at heart. And, uh, you know, now he's uh, clearly a legitimate major
0: leaguer. So that's the interesting thing, right, about confidence. You want every one of your players to have it. He's a guy that exudes it. Uh, for me, anyway, as a teammate, it would be in a yeah. great way. I think sometimes he's, you had him as a teammate. I think sometimes he's misunderstood way out in the distance, not by those who follow baseball intimately, because you talk to all his teammates, they love his energy. I'm guessing his teammates at UCA loved that energy, albeit he was a, younger man, but that's an energy that's hard to
6: coach. Yeah, I mean, it's a, you know, it's 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 a tough age, you know, I mean, you talk about 18, 19, 20, and being that talented, and of course, you have Garrett. And, you know, I mean, Garrett was the guy, I mean, Trevor was literally the best Saturday pitcher in the history of college baseball, <laughs> I mean, Golden spikes award winner and, and everything. And, and just the they, they, they really fed off each other. They're very, very competitive people. Uh, they both want you know their teams to win. They, they both want to win national championships. We, you know, clearly want to win world championships. And uh, you know, Trevor was young. I mean, you know, no question about it. I mean, he but he, he evolved, uh, he matured. Uh, and Garrett needed to mature as well. I mean they all do. And uh like I said, they they, they, they had a lot of respect from our from our program, how competitive they were. And again, we talked about the X being on the back. I mean you leave you're a first rounder, and you go to college you know and you pitch on a friday night as a freshman you're going to get you know you're going to get your the, everybody's best game and uh it, i think it really helped cole and, and, and literally helped bauer um uh, just because they were so competitive. they're under the spotlight they're so comfortable under the spotlight and you can tell right now they're very comfortable being under that so i think such at an early age they experienced that that you know you know sooner or later they got comfortable and, and at the end of the day uh you know their talent Uh, you know, popped out and and clearly they're, they're two of the most elite pitchers really in the world.
0: I know you don't like to talk about yourself, but here goes to have the confidence. And we talked about it earlier in this conversation to have a Matt McClain and continue to play him, to have the confidence to have a guy like Kyle and allow him to develop, to say what you said, develop to have the confidence to have two big, confident personalities, albeit babies in age, like Bauer and Cole. Um, that that takes a man who's confident in his job, who isn't always looking over his shoulder, who knows this is where he belongs. And you know where I'm going with this, because a lot of coaches make decisions based on their jobs, right? Not on the best decision for the athlete. You try to do the best for the athlete. When did that grow for you? Has it always been that confidence for you?
6: Well, I think I think Mike Gillespie really had a lot to do with that. You know, I mean, I, I was fortunate to be with him at USC for four years and won a national championship in '98 with. Morgan Ensberg and Jason Lane and Seth Etherton and Randy Flores. And I just, you know, I, I just gained confidence, uh, not only as a as a coach, but as a person, talking to young people, uh, handling the game. Uh, and then I went to Irvine and then, you know, obviously ended up at UCLA. And just I think consistency is is really the key in, in terms of how you're handling these young guys and uh day in and day out. You want to make it fun, you want to embrace the program, you want to embrace them and their families and Make sure they you, you, they know you care, and at, at the end of the day, uh, it comes full circle. You know, it's about the players. We all know that. Uh, it's always about the players. It's not about the coaches. Uh, the players play, and you know, we just feel very confident in our own um, you know culture. We feel very comfortable in uh, UCLA in Los Angeles, and and we just feel very comfortable in terms of how to build a program. We've been we observe a lot of people. We talk to a lot of people. Uh, We get a lot of ideas, we've got a lot of ideas from Major League Baseball, a lot of ideas from from other really good college programs, so it's not that you know it all and you act like you know it all, that's a major mistake, but you keep on trying to keep on getting better, and and certainly trying to get your guys around you, get your staff better, get your players better, and and be competitive day in and day out, and, you know, confidence grows from those types of things, and and I think at the end of the day, we are very confident in who we are. Um, you know it's not perfect by no means but at the same time it's consistent and we feel pretty good about it
0: back to the scouts eye segments Vinny Servino has really stepped in and taken over the college content for perfect game Vinny sees so many good players also helps with the high school rankings that come out every couple of weeks for PG Vinny open up that notebook
7: Hey, everyone, this is Vinny Cervino, college supervisor with Perfect Game, and I'm going to talk to you about some of my live looks from the Louisville-Wake Forest series that I was at last weekend. Uh, the two headliners, of course, are projected first-rounders Henry Davis and Ryan Cusick. Henry Davis, a catcher from Louisville, and Cusick, a right-handed pitcher from Wake Forest. Uh, Davis has really kind of cemented himself as the top-ten pick heading into the draft. Uh, he's a physical catcher, uh, has one of the best arms in the draft, a 70-grade arm from behind the plate. It's a rocking arm. Uh, the defensive skills, too, are pretty good. He seems like a sure bet to stick behind the position at the next level. The offensive numbers have been very, very good in an obviously small sample earlier this year. He has eight home runs on the year, and in the games that I saw, only two balls that he put in play were under 100-mile-an-hour exit velocity. Uh, the swing's a little bit unorthodox, but he hits the ball hard, and it does a good job at getting some backspin and carry so he can really laser some home runs out of the park. Um, uh, we fully expect him to be a top 10 pick and he certainly looked very impressive hitting two home runs in three games. Cusick is a big six foot six right hander. He runs his fastball up to triple digits at times. He topped out 101 miles an hour for me and sat 96, 99 in the first inning. The fastball is one of the best weapons in the draft, regardless of college or prep. Um, and that's also because not only because of just the velocity, the, some of the analytical data numbers on the fastball are very, very good. Uh, He uses it often. He uses it well. The curveball is also a quality secondary pitch for him. It's a plus curveball in the 80-83 mile-an-hour range with hard downer shape at times. It's definitely the hammer variety. He can have a little bit of trouble commanding the pitch at times, but it's a true two-plus pitch mix for him, who we also expect to be gone in the first 30 picks. Uh, Some other players who stood out to me, uh, Lucas Dunn, third baseman for Louisville, had a very good series, a fluid, easy stroke on the right side is a plus arm over at third base, and I think he can be an above-average defender long-term. Alex Ben-Ellis was a famous name coming into this draft, and he's had a bad start to this e- year so far, but it looks like he kind of turned a corner a couple weeks ago. He's been hitting the ball extremely hard. He's very physical. He has power. Uh, some other Louisville to say now, it's Levi Usher and Luke Brown. They're both speedy outfielders. Usher has some of the best tools in the draft, but he'll have to Perform a little bit better than it currently is, but he still showed some things like breaking ball recognition, changeup recognition, the ability to go the other way. Uh, he's a very exciting prospect. Uh, you look at Wake Forest side of things. Uh, Will Fleming is another arm who could probably be drafted pretty well. He sat 94, 97 throughout most of my look. Fastball got hit around a little bit, but two quality secondaries too, the slider and a changeup. Uh, also showed a curveball for a four pitch mix, um, and then a couple freshman standouts for you and Brock Wilkin of Wake Forest who hit his ninth home run of the year while I was watching. It's big, easy power. Um, He's definitely been one of the better freshmen in the country this year. And Christian Napchik for Louisville, the twitchy athletic shortstop, left-handed hitter, uses the whole field. He had a couple doubles in in my look, and he's a really exciting player. Those are two guys that we're going to be keeping an eye on for the next three years.
0: So this was fun. And a couple of things that I take with me from this podcast um, that I think matter most Number one, happy Tuesday. And number two, there is a Pacific time zone. I mean, those are the things that matter most. Um, and, and I'm being a, a total total goober as far as that goes. I loved Max Wright. Um, I, I think, you know, to have a passionate player, a Jays fan growing up, um, the, the honoring of his dad and his stepdad, you know, being as a man loved by more people is awesome. That's how you grow as a human being. I, I just love this transparency and I love his expectations. We, we kind of get on people that maybe don't smell the roses. That was great that I played Vanderbilt. That was all sorts of fun. But guess what? I want to win a regional. I, I loved Max Wright.
1: I think that Indiana State has a really special team this year. And as he mentioned, they're just putting together a really nice run. Watch out. Do not underestimate that team. Don't underestimate guys who have to win on the road. They are not only winning, they're dominating on the road. And that's a dangerous tool when it comes to, you know, the, the playoffs. And it comes to that push for Omaha. So they're a special team. Max was awesome. I'm really glad we got a chance to catch up with him.
0: A little pack stop, too, with John Savage, head coach at UCLA. Intriguing stuff about Trevor Bauer. Um as a as a prep player and as a college player and then daniel susack he and hunter pence uh, jumping in it's it's not easy to be a freshman starting catcher in the pack to lead a to lead a staff that's why daniel's a little bit more serious than most uh and, and i understand it but savage and, and susack it was fun to stop in the pack
1: i love that i love when we get a chance to hear from john savage as you said exclusive content only here on amateur hour super exclusive Super exclusive. We're glad that you were able to tune in for that. We stole a little bit of, uh, of Savage and you from PG weekly, which is always nice. We've got a lot going on. Um, and Hunter's great, man. That guy is a rock star. So, uh, you know, having a chance to hear him have a conversation with Daniel Susack is always awesome.
0: And we were, we were a week late. Like it, it just was, we, we really apologize. I mean, from the bottom of our hearts, um, before we recorded this, I actually broke down and cried for a little bit, but I didn't want to do it while we were recording. So, I mean, my apology comes from the bottom of my heart and for our passionate listeners who, what, what do they do? They like, is that what they How do? How much
1: coffee have you had today?
0: <laughs> well, hey, listen, the, the, the recording of the producer at 6.15, you know, on, on the rare off day, you know, is, is awesome. But, but uh, is it like, is that what they're supposed to do? Is Please it, is like,
1: it, subscribe. Please subscribe. Please uh, leave us a review, even if you don't love ooh. us. Just leave a review. That would help us greatly. Has anyone done share. that yet?
0: Has anyone? I don't left think there are
1: any reviews yet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so is, you do this on Yelp? Is this on Yelp? Is that this where you do that?
1: On uh, Grubhub.com. Yeah. <laughs>
0: nice, nice. That's I'm the end of this there. podcast. Good, good night <laughs> Goodbye. Happy Tuesday. <laughs>